0: We've just heard the account of the birth of our Lord from Matthew. Let's hear it now from Luke. Our sermon text this morning comes from Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. This is, of course, a familiar text, I'm sure, but it's worth hearing again, particularly on this day. Listen now once more to God's holy and inerrant word. It's printed for you in the back of your order of worship if you'd like to read along there. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea. "...to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be, betroth- to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger." because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, who is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, or a multitude of the heavenly armies, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they, had se- all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, it is absolutely true. And it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Now, by your Holy Spirit, grant us that we may read and mark and learn and even inwardly digest this portion of your Holy Scripture, that we might even more hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What we give thanks for today, what we rejoice in, what we celebrate in the birth of Jesus Christ was a real birth, a real birth. Make no mistake about that. It was a, a real human birth, a real human baby boy birthed by a real mother with pain and suffering and blood and difficulty and all the things that accompany human birth. Indeed, if you had been there that night in Bethlehem, it would have looked like any other completely normal human baby being born, if there is such a thing as that being a normal event. But it was normal in that way. And that it was totally indistinguishable from the dozens of other babies born that night in Bethlehem or the hundreds born that night in Judea. It was just like any other, as far as anyone could tell. If you had been present with Mary and Joseph that night, nothing would have seemed out of place at all. Just another young man and a young woman starting a family together, if under perhaps less than ideal circumstances. But that's been true of many families starting in this world. But if you had been on the plains of Bethlehem that night, out where the shepherds were, now that would have been a different story there something dramatic, something interesting, something overwhelming takes place. Because there in the darkness, as Luke tells us, in the stillness of the night, and the silence that was there, only broken by the sounds of the animals occasionally in their sleep calling out, there was suddenly, suddenly, Luke says, a revelation of the glory cloud of Yahweh. The glory cloud of the living God descended. The same glory cloud that had filled the tabernacle and the temple in days of old now appeared there in the midst of the darkness on the plains outside of Bethlehem. The shepherds saw the glory of the Lord and the angel standing before them like a warrior, and they were wise to be afraid. But then the angel in light that appeared surrounded with the glory cloud of Yahweh, he spoke to them out of that glory, out of that light, into their fear. And it is this message, this announcement, this sermon, this proclamation of the angel that I want to focus on this morning. This is what the angel said there in the darkness. And lying in a manger. And Luke tells us that this is what accompanied the sermon. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, a a multitude of the heavenly armies, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Don't be afraid says the angel. Those are the first words on his lips. Don't be afraid, fear not, he says, for I bring you good news. I bring you euangelion. I bring you gospel. I bring you glad tidings. This Greek word euangelion is the same that is used in the Old Testament reading this morning from Isaiah, which describes the beautiful feet of the one who brings the message, the proclamation, the announcement of good news to the exiled people. And it is the same word that today is often translated and unto our modern English as gospel. I bring you gospel. That's what the angel said. Fear not, I bring you gospel. Sometimes that word, the, the gospel, is defined in this way. It's the, it's the announcement of the reality that you are a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine, but at the same time, you are more loved than you ever could have hoped for. And yes, that is true. At least it's true in, in an inclusive way that the gospel, the good news of the scriptures, includes that truth. But as we see in our text this morning, there is a gospel message a gospel proclamation that the angels bring that is even more fundamental than that truth. For the angelic sermon that we just heard is simply this. The gospel is the good news that God is here, that God has come, that God has now shown up in our midst. For in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the lord you see properly defined and understood gospel does not begin with us with our sinfulness even with our belovedness no the gospel according to the scriptures begins with god the gospel is about god the gospel begins with god's action with his faithfulness with his Initiative with his glorious existence, and all of these things are manifest in nothing so clearly as the sending of God's Son to be born in human flesh. But this announcement that the angel brings to those shepherds and also to us is not only meant to be good news, it's meant to be good news of great joy, good news that provokes great joy, we might say. It seems to me that the joy that the angel commends here at the birth of Jesus, at the festival of Christmas, is slightly different in tenor than the victorious triumph that the angels bring on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday. When we think about our salvation as being deliverance from sin and death, Jesus' resurrection and the celebration of the feast of Easter means that the victory is ours, that the battle has now been won. But Christmas, Christmas is a little different. Christmas, the feast of the incarnation of our Lord, has more to do with the joy that comes when those who are enslaved to sin realize that there will actually be a battle in the first place. You see, to put it in blunt terms, if Easter is the celebration of the certainty of our salvation, then Christmas is the celebration of the possibility of our being saved. Easter is triumph and a victory march in sunshine. But Christmas, Christmas is the note slid under the door of the prison cell that reads, Rescue is coming. Salvation is on the way. And because this announcement, this proclamation is so unexpected, so out of the blue, so unimaginable, the joy that Christmas brings with it is a kind of of giddiness almost, a kind of carelessness and merriness and and recklessness. Now, Now, in our culture today, with all of its faults and flaws, it is interesting to me that we at least maintain still an echo of these realities and the ways that we keep Christmas. Now, of course, we could critique our culture's celebration of Christmas. We could talk about consumerism and materialism and, and all the other isms that are in play. But I don't want to do that today. I don't have any interest in doing that this day because I think that there remains still in our culture, an extravagance connected with Christmas that I believe is profoundly appropriate and right. You see, Christmas is the time when people in our culture will travel thousands of miles to be with family and friends. Christmas is the time when people in our culture will spend more money than perhaps they should to bring delight to someone they love. Christmas is the time when people in our culture will eat and drink more and more, at least from a responsible health perspective, than they definitely should. And and friends, I want to say to you this morning, all of that is good. All of that is right. All of that is fitting for what we are celebrating in this feast. Because if you don't go at least a little crazy in some way at Christmas, it is possible that you have missed the point of the whole thing in the first place. Because it's all about good news of great joy. Good news of extravagant happiness and merriness. It's fascinating, actually, when you read the the account in the Gospels, how this emotion of extravagant joy pervades the whole Christmas story from beginning to end. You see, John the Baptist starts it all. He leaps in the womb with joy, Elizabeth says, when Mary comes to visit her, when Mary has just barely conceived the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit in her own womb. John the Baptist leaps with joy, Elizabeth says, when the presence of Christ comes near. And then Mary opens her mouth in the Magnificat and tells of how she rejoices, she says, in God her Savior, for He that is mighty has done great things for her. And then when Elizabeth's baby is born, her neighbors and relatives come over, and Luke tells us they rejoice with her for this baby who was born to her in her old age. And the angels, of course, as we heard this morning, tell the shepherds that when Jesus is born, they have good tidings of great joy for all the people. And Matthew tells us that when the Magi see the star resting over the place where the child Jesus was, that they rejoiced exceedingly, Matthew says. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And this joy that the birth of the Son of God brings, causes people to do things, to to do extravagant kind of things. Remember that as far as we can tell from the text, it seems that the shepherds who heard this proclamation of good news from the angels in great joy, in the next breath, they thought nothing of leaving their sheep there in the darkness and in the wilderness to search for a glimpse of this promised king. And the magi, once they had seen that star and ascertained its meaning, they left their homelands to travel thousands of miles to see this new king. Those things are more than a little crazy, more than a little extravagant. But that's the point. This whole story, this whole Narrative: this whole announcement of the birth of Jesus is unexpected and extravagant. And that's the way it should be. Because the birth of God's Son is not only gospel. It is not only good news. It is good news of great joy. It is gospel of great joy. The Christmas message is good news of great joy because... It is the announcement that long ago, and many times, and in many places, in many ways, God has, yes, spoken to our fathers through the prophets, and that was all good and fine, but something better has come. For in these last days, He has now spoken to us by His Son in living flesh. It is no ordinary message. And that is why the prophets tell us that the feet of Him who comes over the mountains bearing this gospel, that His feet are beautiful, for He brings good news of happiness and joy on His lips. It is why the voice of the watchmen lift up their voices and sing for joy as Isaiah prophesies. For eye to eye, they have seen the return of their God to Zion. You see, beloved, the good news of Christmas is an incautious and extravagant hope. It is the glad announcement that our God, who loves us extravagantly, out of all proportion, has brought his salvation not to us, not from a distance not from far away, but near us, with us, as a man like us. And so, friends, this morning, this is my Christmas exhortation to you. Go from here, from this place, and eat your pie or your rum cake or your roast or your turkey with joy, and drank your wine or your beer or your eggnog with a merry heart, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And I commend joy to you, friends. For in this new world that has been brought about by the birth of Jesus Christ, in these last days in which we now live, man has no good thing but to eat and drink and be joyful. For God is with us. Jesus Christ is man. Not for a moment. Not for a few decades. But for eternity. For the rest of all the ages that stretch before us, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He lives even now in heaven on our behalf. And if man now lives in heaven, if man has now been risen from the dead and ascended to God's right hand, if God is with us in that way, then who can say, What strange and wonderful things lay before us which might happen next. He is faithful, friends. In every way, your God is faithful to you. And this is good news of great joy indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.